Theology Thursday live. Here we are again. Ethics. I've been on vacation. So, um, ethics two. So, let's define the word ethics to start with. This is from Marion Webster on my phone. I forgot to set my timer. Let me make sure because I got a limit. 49. Ethics. The discipline dealing with what is good and bad and with moral duty and obligation. Two, a set of moral principles, a theory or system of moral values. To be the principles of conduct governing an individual or group. All right, so it has to do with moral principles. I guess we knew that. Jesse Watkins, hello. My brother. Um, so we're going to talk today is law versus grace. And... It's a topic, it's, it's an amazingly controversial, misunderstood topic of discussion amongst churches and Christians. Uh, it separates uh, a lot of denominations and churches. So it's an important distinction, the difference between law and grace. How are we saved? Does a Christian, is, a, is a Christian obligated to keep, to be moral? That's the question. Then the next question would be, if we are obligated to be moral, then does that mean our salvation depends on our morality? Or if a Christian is not saved based on moral effort or moral standing, then why even try? Why even care about it? And then next, if we already care about it, and if we are um, obligated to it in some way, who gets to define that? How do we determine um, what's right and wrong. So that's what we're looking at. Last week we looked at the, well, the last time we was together, um, we looked at the golden rule, which is what people call it. It's Jesus said, um, basically, you do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, we talked about it was a philosophical concept that existed prior to the teaching of Jesus where it says don't do to other people what you would not want them to do to you. Jesus um, it would agree with that, but he also reverses it and makes it a positive commandment that we're to do to others. It's not enough just to sit back. You're supposed to be actively doing. So as we were last night having a Bible study here, we've been going through the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 21 through 24, and going in 25, and, and these different teachings that Christ gives. He talks about... Um, you know, when if there's a delay between the time that Jesus returns for his church, what are we supposed to do? What sort of people ought we to be? How should we be living our lives as we await the parousia, the return, the visitation of Jesus Christ as he returns? Um, and there's several parables that talk about where we're to be watchful, we're to be working, we're to be watching over his house, we're to be taking care of the church, we're to be um, building the kingdom of God here, we're supposed to be sharing the gospel, we're supposed to be encouraging one another and helping one another and all these other things. We do unto other people the way we would have them do unto us. So today what we're looking at is the difference between law and grace. So here we go. First thing, Hebrews 9.27, we're, I'm preaching from Hebrews chapter 9 this week. Um, and 9.27 is the verse a lot of people have memorized. It is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So, you know, everybody's going to die. I know we, um, I, I want to put out a video, by the way, and I get permission to send it out as a, as a promoted thing. It's just like, remember when you were going to die, when you thought you were going to die from the virus? 
And maybe you think you still will, and maybe you still may, but you're going to die from something. But I was able to talk to people in stores and pharmacies and different places you go. You could just talk to people about the gospel, about God, and about life, and these sorts of things. And then the mask came on, the, the plastic shields went up, the social distancing took place, and that was pretty much it for being able to talk to people too much um, about it. But what I heard over and over again is, I need to get back to church. I need to get back to church. So it's like, you know... Hey, we're open, okay? We're a large sanctuary, small numbers of people for the size of the sanctuary, and they don't like to sit together anyway. And so, you know, we're perfectly prepared for a time such as this. But you come, wear a mask if you like, but we have plenty of, we leave the air on, doors are open, big room. We think uh, we do social distancing, so um, these things are important. But it, we will die from something, okay? Something's going to get you. And so... Since you're going to die from something, it's appointed to demand to die once. That rules out the whole reincarnation thing and all that kind of stuff, by the way. Um, and then after that comes judgment. Now, that's the big deal. There's judgment after death. And so the question is, you know, how are you going to stand in the judgment? And so what standard will be used to judge you? Um, and we're told in the Bible what that standard is. The standard is God's personal holiness, God's standard of exact, perfect goodness and holiness and perfection, morally and spiritually. That's, that's the standard. And guess who's going to be able to stand in that kind of judgment? Jesus Christ alone, and that's it. But he was already judged on the cross in our place. So those who are hidden in Christ stand in the judgment. Um, anyone else will stand there naked and ashamed and every pretense stripped away. So... What kind of people? How do we? Be, how are we to be saved? And it goes on. And in Hebrews nine, he says this: "It's appointed for man to die once. After that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So he's coming back. He's going to save people. He offered himself on the cross as a substitutionary sacrifice. So those who believe in Jesus Christ, we're trusting in." His death in our place. So when we stand at the judgment seat of God, we have been cleansed completely by his blood. We are clothed in his righteousness. This is all biblical language. Um, and we have no sin before the judgment seat of God. And we have all the active obedience, all the good things Jesus did, credited to our account, imputed to us. That means God will treat us as if we were as righteous as Jesus Christ. And not one sin will be brought up. That's how we're justified, dikaiosene. That's how we're declared righteous at the judgment seat. So we're declared righteous now as believers. So what kind of lives are we to live? First, as we start looking at the law, you have to know this, Romans 3.20. By works of the law, no human being will be justified. Nobody will be declared righteous at the judgment seat of God by works of the law. Um, in his, in his sight, nobody, by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Okay, so the law doesn't save you. Keeping the law doesn't save you. You cannot be a good enough person to get into heaven. Um, what must I do to be saved? It is not keep the law perfectly. I mean, that was um, what the, the problem with the, the Jewish community in the Mosaic time, the days of Moses, um, that was a problem. They kept the law as if it were a means of salvation. 
and you can't keep the law as a means of salvation. It's always only through faith in Jesus Christ that a person is saved. Um, same in the Old Testament, same in the New Testament. Galatians 3.16, a person is not justified. Again, justified means to be declared just, to be declared right in the sight of God. A person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So you want to be saved, you want to go to heaven, you want to be declared righteous in the courtroom. Better have faith in Jesus Christ. You need to be born again. You need to have faith in Christ. You need to call upon his name. You need to believe that he died and rose again on the third day. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We humble ourselves at his feet and trust in his grace um, to save us. And it goes on again, reiterates, not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. No one will be declared righteous in the courtroom of God by the works of the law. So they open the books. Everything you've done, those things are going to condemn you, and rightly so. Um, so the question is then, so Christian ethics are for the Christian. So I pray you're a believer. If you're not a believer and you think about these things, is you will stand naked before a living God. Every pretense that you lie to yourself about, about why it's okay that you sin, why it's not sin, why you don't have to believe in God, all these things, the creator God who... The creation owes loyalty, fidelity, and honor and worship to um, lives in open rebellion to God. And um, we suppress the knowledge of God in our sin. So all that suppression is taken away. Um, God sees you, says, <laughs> you know. I mean, he doesn't have to, our own words will condemn us. Our own thoughts will condemn us. So you have to be hidden from that. You have to be hidden in Christ. So, therefore... Um, 2 Peter 3.10, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. This goes back to what Jesus is talking about in Olivet Discourse. So it's going to come like a thief. So what sort of people ought we to be? Now, that's the question that Peter's asking. We being believers. So he's going to come like a thief. So what kind of people should we be? That's the question of Christian ethics. And he says, in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the day of the Lord. So we're wanting it to come. Um, we're waiting for it to come. But we live lives of holiness. So whenever somebody says, you know, we live by grace, not by, you know, you say, yeah, we live by grace, not by works. We're saved by grace, not by works. And we live by grace. We're going to see this in a minute. But but we should, there should be ethical behavior for Christians, moral behavior for Christians, because we're being transformed into the likeness and image of Jesus Christ. That means we would think like him, behave like him, act like him, um, have the morality um, that, he would, that he had and has. So he says, goes on, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. So we're supposed to try hard to do that, be without spot or blemish. Now we're clothed with the righteousness of Christ before the foundation, before the judgment seat of Christ. We will be without sin. But as we're living this life, waiting for the time that, you know, appointed a man wants to die and after this judgment, or waiting for the final return of Jesus Christ while the church lives in triumphant expectation of this we are to try to live lives without spot and blemish take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability so the law gives you stability i mean the rock is christ jesus but the law the moral law ten commandments summary of the moral law which is further summarized by love the lord thy god with all the heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor yourself so you know the law is an expression of the love of God. How would one love God properly? First four commandments. How does one love neighbor properly? 
last six commandments. We're going to cover each of the Ten Commandments as we go on in future episodes. By, uh, but grow in grace. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace is undeserved knowledge. You deserve the wrath and curse of God. Instead, what you get is, is mercy. God's riches at Christ's expense is what we yeah, some an acronym that's come up with. Titus chapter 2, 11 through 14. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. So, and the, this grace of God trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright godly lives that's what grace is for because you you can't live a perfect life but the power of the holy spirit working within you there's no excuse for your sin so we are by grace given the ability by grace able to continue when we blow it by grace we're forgiven by grace we're held in his family by grace when we mess up we're able to reconcile with each other we're able to forgive one another show mercy to one another um, say the hard things that are necessary to to bring about reconciliation and all of these things um, but we are to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions we are to live self-controlled upright and godly lives that's how we're supposed to live. But by works of the law, nobody will be saved. You're saved by grace. Then once we're saved, how ought we to live? We should, there should be a difference with us. We, we need to, you know, live godly lives. And, um, and also, one of the, uh, mercy triumphs over judgment. So don't be so judgmental. Don't be so harsh over other people. Cut them some slack. Love them through things the way you want to be loved by God. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I have no idea how long I went. I wanted to go 12 minutes. I can't remember. Did, so I've gone longer. But anyway, Christian ethics number two. Hey, Second Street Presbyterian Church, across the street from the post office in Albemarle. Um, 1030 Sunday morning. Join us online here. Join us in person. Um, it is essential for the believer to worship Christ as a congregated body. Amen.